Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thank you for tuning in today. You found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Thursday, October the 21st, and today I'm going to air part two of my interview with my friend, Sean Morris. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. My name is Heidi St. John, and after serving Washington families for the past 17 years, I am running for Congress to put a proven conservative voice in the House of Representatives to represent the people of Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. If you've had enough of liberals who disguise themselves as conservatives, I need your help. Together, we can tell both the rhinos and opportunistic out-of-state candidates we want our voice back. To join me in my fight for Congress, please visit HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. So thanks for listening today. If you guys have questions about today's guest, you can find him online at seanmorris.live. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, he'll come back on. He's got a brand new book coming out uh, next spring. I'm going to encourage you to listen very carefully today because we are picking up some very difficult topics, a lot of discussion and even dissension within the church right now about the use of firearms and whether or not it's okay for God's people to engage in the issues that are surrounding the culture right now. Sean is going to make a very powerful case for freedom. And this is a time for every Christian to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. So without further ado, this is part two of my interview with Sean Morris. Well, and and I wonder, was that the 19... So I guess I, in, I'm watching this because, right, we have shootings here in the United States. And I wondered if we, if Australia saw this big shift after a shooting that happened... Correct. Uh, in 1996, it seems like that was when that this shift began. Correct. Um, and that's when I started engaging Australia quite significantly. That led to us then moving in 2005. And it's interesting you say that because uh, it was around that time that I'd started traveling to Australia, preaching and teaching. In fact, we planted our first church out of actually Austria. We sent a team down to Sydney and planted our first church. Um, and that's right. When, when, when the mass shootings happened and the decision was made, I think there was – people underestimated the significance of what happened within the realm of the spirit. And it was really as if mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. sort of fear, it, the media, of course, climbed on the bandwagon. It became a massive spirit of fear across the nation. And there was this, this huge push. We've got to get rid of all guns. Um, you know, we've got to get rid of all of that. We cannot trust anybody. We cannot trust self-governance. We need to actually, uh, you know, remove firearms out of the general public. Look, from if which they which did, they in did mass, right? In I mass. think with a with a yeah, I, I read somewhere that they had uh, purchased the government through a special yeah. tax, right? That's how they always do it. Uh, between six hundred fifty thousand and a million guns. That's a lot of people now that can't defend themselves. Correct. It, it, you know, and that shifted everything. I mean, there is no capacity for an mm-hmm. individual or for a family in that kind of context to actually protect themselves. Um, there are still a few. You know, you can get hunting licenses, but even then, your guns. Uh, you know, you, you're subject to random checks. Police can just literally arrive at your doorstep. They arrive with a search warrant. They want to make sure that those guns are locked away in a particular type of safe and that they and that the ammunition is locked away uh, a certain distance from that in another particular type of safe. Um, so it's, it's wow. and that's if you're able to get a, a 
you know, a hunting license within the city context that's only a handful of people, uh, a few more people within the rural context on, on the farms are able to access that. But uh, there was definitely this huge, uh, you know, people thought it was a cultural and a, a shift within society. That's what the word I was looking for, a, a cultural and a societal shift. But the truth be told, it was really a spiritual shift. And, and I think mm. that there was a submission, uh, in inverted commas, you know, there was a submitting to an ideal that was presented uh, in, in, a, in a very sort of uh, intellectual, nice, flowery manner that government was able to present that gave access to, I think, really the spirit behind it was to, to, to bring enslavement. Ultimately, we know that we know that mm-hmm. that that the enemy is at work, and that his intent is ultimately, you know, to control and to destroy, um, you know, through his control. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so well, and they're yeah. seeing it now. So now you've got. So now you 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 we see this this terrible massacre, and it was terrible, right? The Port Arthur massacre yeah. in 1996 has has yeah. really pushed the nation as oh, I know what we'll do. We'll get rid of guns because we can legislate the heart of human beings. That was the big mistake. Right. Right. This is Correct. going against what God says, which he says, the heart is desperately wicked. So if you take the gun, they'll find a knife. If yeah. you take the knife, they'll find a fork. You know, there. If, if it's in your heart to murder someone, Cain didn't need anything well, except a rock. It's so interesting so, you make reference to that because that's exactly what then did follow on. Now you are not permitted to have a knife in your home above a certain size. Uh, no swords are allowed, anything like that. No machetes, no anything like that. Um, you know, and uh, so that's been removed as well. And it's actually now reached the point where uh, uh, even certain size and types of pen knives and flick knives are actually banned. Um, I mean, it's it's become extreme. And then within the home, if you have your kitchen knives. Your kitchen knives, as well, uh, are uh, are not allowed to be over a certain size. I mean, it's got that it's got that extreme. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just almost mm. uh, yeah. And it's it's very interesting that you that you make reference to that. And uh, and at the end of the day, though, what's interesting is we might have seen a significant drop in the murder rate amongst the general populace, but we have seen a explosion, explosion of murder within the framework of domestic violence. I think Australia right now has Mm. one of the highest domestic violence rates in the world. And it just, so the destruction has only been because of external laws. You know, you you govern the external behavior, but you don't govern the internal heart. And there's not training Mm -hmm. and equipping of self-governance and a freedom. And so in particular, primarily women, there are the occasional man, but it's primarily women and children who, interesting enough, it's within the context of the home and the family. And it has become so devastating that I was looking at some statistics, uh, you know, last year alone, uh, that there was on average a woman being murdered in her own home every day. Every day. Oh, and uh, and then you add COVID on top of it and the lockdowns. And, for example, there was one particular day in Melbourne this year when, when the second lockdown was announced that the child suicide lines experienced a – I stand corrected on it, but it was, I think, almost in the region of um, a couple of thousand percent increase 
in calls for help in one day alone. Well, as it turns out, uh, God's word is is right about this. The the heart is desperately wicked, and and as we've seen now in the rise of COVID, you know this virus with a ninety nine point nine percent survival rate, they've used it to completely take over yeah. control of the lives of ordinary Australians, and now they're really living under totalitarianism, and it's it's a very frightening time. What do you say to Americans? Who are watching this and we're watching some of our, our lawmakers now trying to pass, you know, red flag gun laws and trying to, you know, Diane Feinstein, she's saying, hey, I want to do a full back, a full on gun buyback. We want to buy back your guns. Hey, we'll give you money if you'll just give us your weapon. What do you say to the American who says, well, I guess that's not such a bad idea? Um, <laughs> well, uh, if I had the opportunity and the chance, I mean, I would just say every piece of freedom you give up is a piece of enslavement. And you've got to think of it. You know, in Australia, we, the government was very, very clever in doing it so incrementally and framing it in such a way that it seemed wise. You know, it was wise unto man. <laughs> it seemed as if it was wisdom. Yes. But as we know, Scripture says that the wisdom from above and gives all the characteristics of it. It's, you know, it's pure, it's peaceable. But the wisdom from below, Scripture actually teaches us, you know, that is it's demonic and it's it's destructive, and it it might seem wise at the time. And I think my 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 encouragement to Americans is: you cannot give up a millimeter. You give up a millimeter, you've given up a yard. Mm. You give up, you know, you give up a foot, you give up a mile. I mean, you 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 because what happens is is in the process of I think us. Um, really the word is is we're retreating. In the process of retreating, we're not just merely, you know, giving the ground that we've retreated from. We're actually empowering the enemy to begin to gain momentum. And, mm. and if anybody knows anything about football or rugby, any one of those where you've got your defensive and your offensive line, if you start giving a big defensive pack, an opportunity, you might think that they're a defensive pack, but when that momentum gets going, they become almost an unstoppable force. And I think to me, my concern right now is that there's, 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 you know, too much of saying, well, you know what, it's not really such a big issue. I don't mind not, uh, you know, having, dying on this hill. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to protect the mountain, you know? Um, Now, you know, if if you if you have a defensive view, uh, you know of warfare, then fair enough. Then then consolidate all your strength around the mountain and see if you can hold the mountain. But if you understand the the gospel, if you understand the gospel of the kingdom, I mean, Jesus made it very clear. He said, "I will build my ecclesia," and that word literally in the Greek means, "I will build my legislative assembly, and the gates of hell shall not prevail." Now, you know, gates are things that are stationary and they're the entry and exit points of a stronghold. So gates don't advance. But when we look at the situation in the West and in particular Australia and New Zealand and now even in the US and in Canada, I mean, I've got a lot of friends in Canada, um, you know, and been lots of conversations with those in Canada. Um, You know, it's been really interesting, uh, you know, to really 
be in conversation with them and saying, guys, you, you've got to stand your ground because if you don't, you mm-hmm. what, what are we doing? We're actually embracing a defeatist. We're embracing a, what's the word, a retreat mindset when the kingdom actually has mm-hmm. an advance mindset to it. It's actually yes. about advancing the kingdom. I mean, his whole mandate to us was go and make disciples of nations, ultimately of ethnos, of cultural groups, of, of communities, of, you know, and defined in inverted commas by the term nations or translated as nations. But the, the, the truth be told of the increase of his government and of his peace, there'll be no end. So what does that really look like? And how do we actually begin to change the narrative? And how do we begin to take back that ground? And in Australia, my I think in many ways, that's why God has brought us to the US at this time. And my prayer and heart cry is, is let's see if we can regain some momentum in this nation. And I truly, with the desire and the dream to eventually go back to that nation, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit that uh, I love so dearly and that is so close to my heart and to see his kingdom come in a fresh new strategic way, you know, and that there's enough oppression that the people rise up and say, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah, I agree. And if uh, if the proponents of gun control are serious about getting guns out of the hands of Americans, someone's going to have to take those yeah. guns out of Americans' hands. And that is going to be a very devastating moment for the country. The only thing I've been saying this on my podcast for a long time, the only thing that's standing in between uh, the United States and what's happening here and what's happening in Australia is the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, the government knows right now, you know, they cannot, you know, uh, they, they got to be worried, you know, don't come to any house in, a, in the backwoods of battleground and try to take their guns from them. It's not going to go over well. And, yeah. And, uh, and people, you know, and the government knows that. And so we keep saying, hey, there can be no doubt about this gun confiscation in the United States will have to be administered by force of arms. And that's the truth. And and parents who are watching their, their children growing up now in what is a hostile takeover or an yeah. attempt at least at a hostile takeover of our freedom. I, you know, I was taking notes as you were uh, as you were talking and I wrote down incremental slavery that's because exactly that's what, what this is. is. Yeah. They're they're trying to implement slavery, one dictatorial mandate, one uh, unconstitutional dictate at a time. And now is the time for Americans to stand up against this, not later. It's now. And and Heidi, you you framed it perfectly. I mean, absolutely perfectly that that, uh, you know, the the strength of the Second Amendment is not just about the right to be arms. <laughs> the spirit behind it is to ensure we maintain our right to freedom and therefore our right to yes. life and therefore our right to happiness and the ownership or stewardship of property. You know, and to me, that is the fundamental essence of God's heart and dream for every human being, every human being, you know, and this great nation, I mean, uh, you know, people often ask me, well, why, why are you so passionate about America? Well, I owe my salvation to this nation. I owe the restoration of my family's uh, salvation to this nation. You know, it was America that sent a missionary couple to the tip of South Africa, you know, Child Evangelism Fellowship in the early 70s, sent this uh, American couple from your part of the world, actually from Seattle, from Seattle, from from Washington, Mm. uh, you know, from the state of Washington to 
Cape Town, South Africa, um, to actually bring child evangelism to South Africa and introduce it into the schools. And I became friends with their son and became he became my best friend. You know, the net result was he shared the gospel with me. He led me to Christ. Um, I introduced my family. Yeah. Oh, that just gives yeah. me goosebumps. I, I know, love it. I, I, you know, I mean, he, he led me to Christ. I, I introduced my family to his family um, and his family to my family. And I saw a restoration work uh, where generations, and then eventually I became the pastor of my parents and my grandparents. I was able to lead my grandparents to Christ. I was able to baptize them. I mean, the restoration of family and the, even our family dynasty, because that was who we were historically, and the enemy had got access through, that's a story for another time, but literally had destroyed uh, that, and there was only a small seed left, but how God redeemed that and is redeeming that. So I look at America and I say, we as a family would not even be who we are today. You know, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for this nation. And it's really interesting that God has brought me to this nation at this time, in such a time as this, having experienced everything that we have, both in South Africa, uh, Trudy and I were involved with a number of significant things that happened in the transition period uh, in the late 80s and the early 90s in South Africa, then to Austria, uh, Germany, Switzerland, then to uh, New Zealand and Australia, um, and now to the US and sort of saying, wow, you've almost taken us around the globe to give us an insight and an understanding and to see how, and in all of those nations, we got involved in politics at at a a certain level, you know. Wait, are you telling me that Christians can be involved in politics and that's and that's okay? Well, Is that what you're saying? I mean, I'm not telling you they yes, can. Be. Thank you. I'm telling you that they are mandated to be. Yes. I mean, politics, you know, the very nature of what it's talking about is is the governance of a people and the governance of a community, the governance of a nation. And and if if you know, and if we're not involved, then we we you know, we know exactly who's gonna govern. So the question is, is who do you want governing? Yes. Not whether you, you know, and I that's think that's right. the, the, the failure and the misunderstanding of the last 50 years in particular of evangelicalism is that somehow politics is dirty. Yeah, because dirty people are in it. Politics is like money. I that's say to right. people, money carries no personality and no characteristic. It takes on the characteristics, the values, and the personality of the person who has um, it. And politics is exactly the same. It's exactly the same, you know. And so if I I don't get involved in it, it's not going to carry the values of the kingdom. And so every believer, every single Christian, every single believer has to be engaged in some way and some form. And, you know, at the very least, they have to vote. I mean, to me, that is is a, a biblical responsibility. That if they get to heaven one day, if they do not get involved in voting, they are being disobedient. My, I believe that absolutely categorically, they're being disobedient. But beyond that, you know, we can all get involved in some form, especially at a local level. And I think what there's often a failure to understand. Everybody's so caught up with the national narrative, but the amount of power that can be exercised, the amount of influence, the amount of engagement that can happen at a local level is truly profound. And I think God communicates us that to us by how often he talks about cities and communities, communities and cities, cities and communities, communities and cities. And I think that we fail to understand what a significant impact and influence we can have. And what is interesting is the latest statistics show that around 60 
uh, I think it's somewhere between 62 and 68% of the American population are not in the major metroplexes. What that tells me is the majority of Americans are still found in smaller cities, towns, and rural regions. And that is still where a level of conservatism and a level of biblical you know, values exists. And if we really, really get become intentional and strategic, and it's where the family still carries significant value, if we can get behind that, um, I think we will again, awaken and mobilize an unstoppable force. And we will see mm. America step back into its full creative design and purpose in God. Well, and I think, I mean, this has been one of my favorite interviews of all time. You have just ascended to the top <laughs> 10 because I, I well, think you, that's saying a lot. I got like 18, I mean, 1,800 well, of these Heidi, episodes. I, feel, out there, but I mean, really, you, I feel overwhelmed and humbled. I mean, that's insane. Well, we Absolutely. need more people of faith who know the Lord Jesus and have demonstrated a, a lifetime, really, of walking with him who know his word, who have been unashamed to proclaim it, to step out in front and say Christians are mandated to the political sphere. Because when we stepped out, evil filled the vacuum. And that is what will always happen. And so I appreciate you boldly proclaiming that. Where can, I'm going to have you back again and we're going to get, because there's so many things. I wrote down so many things and I'm out of time for today, but uh, where can people find you online? Um, They can find me at present at seanmorris.live. So it's a very simple website, seanmorris.live. There's an opportunity to engage with me. And, uh, yeah, we really know that God has brought us to this nation at such a time as this. And you really used our son. Um, Our son's a sophomore in high school, and uh, he's just been recruited by one of the top uh, basketball academies in the nation. Uh, So we did you know, deeply uh, honored and blessed and proud. And he loves the Lord. Uh, He knows that ultimately his view is God, dad, I know what God's called me to do. And and that is to carry on the mantle that he's put on your life. But if he wants to use basketball to give me a platform of influence, I've said to Jesus, I'm happy either way. I, mean, I love uh, it. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Sean <laughs> Morris, it has been, it just honestly, just a joy to uh, to talk with you. And uh, we're going to get you back on here again and, 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 you know, very, very shortly because there's so many things I want to continue this conversation about. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on and for encouraging the really, I mean, there's going to be almost a million people that listen to this. So thank you so much for coming on and encouraging them to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Freedom is worth fighting for and it God's is. people need to be at the front of this thing. So thank you so much for yes. joining me. Well, it has been a joy and a true honor, Heidi, and uh, and all your listeners. And I truly believe that we have the opportunity, because the battle lines have become so clear, we now have an opportunity to step up with absolute confidence, courage, knowing that we are blessed and favored of God and that we carry the kingdom. And we will see his kingdom come and his will done in this amazing nation um, and see it fulfill God's purpose. So thank you so much. God bless you all. And uh, it was just a great, great time to be with you on this podcast. Thank you for coming. You guys want more information about Sean Morris and his mystery? You can go to seanmorris.live. I will link back to that in the show notes today. I hope you will share this podcast far and wide. If there's anyone in your life who says, hey, Christians shouldn't be in politics, and it doesn't really matter if we have access to guns or not, uh, these are issues that the Christian community needs to engage in, and we've got to do it 
right now. So I hope you guys have been enjoying this. As usual, please leave reviews for the show over at iTunes, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.